Well, good morning or good whatever time it is. What, what just happened to that? Oh, the tech just gimped out. One moment, please. Okay, let's try that again. We'll see if this works. Ah. Aha. Okay, okay. Good morning, good morning. Well, good morning or good whatever time it is. What, what just Well, good morning or good whatever time of day it is as you're watching this. Um, maybe it's worth starting by just saying, I miss being together. I miss being gathered all together on Sunday morning. I miss being able to uh, pray with one another. I miss being able to sing together. I miss being able to make fun of one another. I just miss being together. Yet I am thankful that this tech allows us to remain connected during this time. So we're just gonna have to put up with it. I'm telling you, it's weird preaching to a camera, totally different thing. So bear with us as we try and continue with this. Um, but to whatever extent we can, uh, we are attempting to remain connected and I think we can. So here we go. If you have been with us in these last few weeks, you know that during this season of Lent, we have been studying God's word by looking at the seven last sayings of Jesus that he uttered from the cross, seven words wrestling with the words of Jesus from the cross. And something happened, and I promise you that we didn't intend it, but it happened without us even planning it. I don't know if you've noticed, I usually try to avoid cutesy alliteration wherever possible. But did you notice that every word that we have explored so far in terms of the words of Jesus, every one of them has started with the letter F. Right? It began with forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It continued with forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It continued with fellowship with God. He said to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Uh, even Jake last year talked about how Jesus redefined the family as he spoke to Mary and John from the cross. Well, since we're four for four on words that start with F, we're going to keep that going for the rest of the series. And so we turn to this week's first word from the cross, thirst. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 19, verses 28 through 29. That would be on page 880 in the Black Pew Bibles. I say that just for nostalgic reasons. But again, John chapter 19, verses 28 and 29. I'll put the words up on the screen. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. This is the word of the Lord. So Father, as we approach your word, we simply ask uh, that you would speak. We ask that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, but most importantly, our hearts to actually understand, to receive a word from you, and to be able to respond in a way that brings you glory. So we submit ourselves to you and to your word. We pray in your name. Amen. Okay, so if you followed or if you happen to read Jacqueline's devotional this week, um, you'll have already been reminded that thirst is a significant theme throughout John's gospel. We can't help but recognize and celebrate that Jesus alone is the only one who can satisfy our deepest thirst, our deepest longings. 
but that's maybe why it's so particularly heartbreaking that in this text, we now find Jesus crucified, alone, in agony, and experiencing thirst himself. It should make us wonder that the God who, who's able to change water into wine, the God who spoke to the waters and they went still, the God who walked on water, the one who filled a basin and washed the disciples' feet, this God who has complete authority over everything related with water, now, without water, thirsts before he dies. How is it that God can be thirsty? How does that even work? I mean, what does it mean when Jesus says, I am thirsty? Well, here's the thing. When you get right down to it, and when you look at that phrase in the text, when Jesus says, I am thirsty, it means that he was thirsty. Right? It's, look, we're, we're, we're used to thinking about Jesus, or maybe I should say it this way. I am used to thinking about Jesus on a large scale, like cosmic Jesus, the Jesus who is fully God, right? The idea of him coming to atone for our sins, to rise again from the dead, to ascend into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God. Like that's the Jesus that I'm often uh, gravitating to as I worship and as I pray. But these little words that Jesus spoke with, I am thirsty. They remind us, they call to mind the fact that Jesus was not just fully God, he was also fully human. Which meant he knew thirst and hunger. He knew pain and joy. He entered into the human experience. He, he was not, he didn't float above it all in some sort of transcendent state where it really didn't bother him much. Right? As he was going through the crucifixion, he wasn't some stoic superhero remaining detached, not feeling any of the pain. Jesus experienced the fullness of the human condition. Those words, I am thirsty, remind us, they shout out to us that Jesus experienced the fullness of the human condition, including pain and including thirst. So when we hear these words, I am thirsty from the cross, they should remind us that in entering into the fullness of human experience, Jesus suffered. Jesus wasn't exempt from suffering and in his humanness experienced a fullness of suffering. And that really matters. That matters right now. It matters right now with the current events that we're living through, the crisis we find ourselves in. It matters that Jesus suffered. We know that Jesus suffered for our sins. We, we, we get that. We've been reading our way through Isaiah 53, and we know that it's by his wounds that we are healed. We get that. We know that Jesus suffered for us. We also know that Jesus will one day end all suffering. Right? Revelation 21, we've already looked at in the last few weeks, where we will be with God, and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. The old order of things will have passed away. It will be the end of suffering forever. So we know that Jesus suffered for our sins. We know that one day he will end suffering. But what about today? 
How, how do we frame our daily experience? And what does this word from the cross mean for us? I think, I think the key to understanding this text today is to look at the phrase that comes immediately before the words, I am thirsty. So that scripture would be fulfilled. That's what the text says. So that scripture would be fulfilled. There it is. That's the part I want to focus on today. Jesus suffered so that scripture would be fulfilled. What scripture? What are we talking about? Okay. If we look back, which is normally where people go when they look for scripture to be fulfilled, they look backwards through biblical history. We find a number of scriptures that refer to Jesus and the the way that he fulfilled messianic prophecy. And the two that obviously come to mind, Psalm 22 and Psalm 69, we've already seen Psalm 22. That's the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that text, it speaks of his mouth being dried up and his tongue sticking to the roof of his mouth. And so Jesus continues to fulfill these prophetic words. Psalm 69, again, it talks about them uh, giving vinegar for his thirst. Like we read in the text, a soldier putting a sponge with vinegar on it and and putting it up to Jesus's mouth. What we see is as we look backwards through biblical history, that Jesus has been fulfilling everything that God had ordained for him to do. That even in the midst of his suffering, he remained obedient right to the end. Suffering did not exempt him from required obedience. Suffering did not say, oh, because I'm suffering, oh, I can just throw my hands up and abandon God. No, he remained faithful to his father's will, even through suffering right to the end. And that is a powerful model for the people of God. But what if, what if, the phrase that, so that scripture would be fulfilled, what if that phrase wasn't just intending to look backwards through biblical history? What if it also looks forward to scriptures that would later be written so that scripture would be fulfilled? Because I can't hear, I thirst from Jesus. I can't grapple with his humanity and understand the way that he went through actual suffering without being drawn to Hebrews chapters four and five. A quick look there takes us to verses 14 and 15 that say the following. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. There it is. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. How do we do that? in a time of crisis, in a time of suffering, in a time of uncertainty? How do we hold firmly to the faith we profess? The text continues in verse 15. For we do not have a great high priest, excuse me, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Did you hear those verses, that scripture is fulfilled through Jesus' suffering? So when Jesus says, I am thirsty, he's crying out in his humanity. When Jesus says, I am thirsty, it's 
it's a glimpse of the gritty, the raw, the reality of the human experience that he lived in. When he says, I am thirsty, we see that he suffered and his suffering allows him to empathize with us in our suffering. Because Jesus suffered, he knows what we're going through when we suffer and he understands. You know the importance of empathy. I hope you haven't had to experience it on a massive scale, but you know how much it means when someone comes alongside you and is with you in a time of need. For someone to, to sort of understand, consider for a moment uh, tragedy, maybe a tragedy like losing a parent well before their time. And there are people in our church family who have experienced this tragedy and it, and it doesn't go away. There is a new reality that they live with that they've lost a parent. It's heartbreaking. And in that place of heartbreak and grief, it is so comforting to have people come alongside you, for people to be with you, for people to just sit with you and be present with you, to comfort you in a time of loss. But it is a different level of comfort when someone comes alongside you who has also lost a parent. When it's someone who's gone through what you are going through. When it's someone who understands because they've been there. Right? It's not that they have all the right words to say. It's not that they have some special wisdom having lived through it. It's not that they're going to communicate this insight or just say the right thing at the right time. Usually even, it's just not saying anything. It's just being present. But the presence of someone who knows, who's been there, who's lifted, that can make all the difference in the world. And when Jesus says, I am thirsty, we're reminded that he actually suffered as one of us. He's saying, I know suffering. I've been there. I know what you're going through. And I'm with you. I'm right here. Later in Hebrews chapter 5, a couple verses later, The author writes, during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. What a raw, unfiltered glimpse of Jesus's humanity. It says he offered up prayers and petitions. He, he, he pleaded with God. He, he reached out to the Lord. It it says he, with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him. Does that sound familiar? Jesus knows what it's like to go through suffering as he laid aside his glory to enter in to the fullness of human experience. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He knows what it's like to watch someone he loved walk away. He knows what it's like to be forsaken and abandoned. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to endure physical suffering and to endure agony and thirst and pain beyond measure. Does any of that sound familiar? Does any of that resonate with your experience? Because Jesus knows that place. And when Jesus said, I am thirsty, he's teaching us that he, he, he was one who was able to suffer and that he did suffer for us on our behalf and that he knows. And because Jesus suffered, that means he can be with us in our time of suffering because he understands.
But the author of Hebrews doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with just empathy. See, Jesus offers more than merely empathy. So if we go back to the Hebrews text, right? We've been through verse 14. We've been to verse 15. But the very next verse completes a thought where we find these words. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Now, those are words for today. Those are words I need today. I mean, we can look back from the cross and understand how Jesus suffered for us. We can look to the future where he will end suffering forever. But for today, where do I go today? What am I supposed to do today? This is our word. You see, in the text, we are invited, even commanded, to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. God wants us to come running to him in our times of crisis and need, in our times of suffering. When we are overwhelmed, when we are undone, we are invited. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. And what do we find when we approach that throne of grace? We find that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. That we find that God is extending his mercy to us, his love, his comfort, his presence, his understanding, his empathy, that he's extending his mercy to us, but also that we find grace there as well. And maybe you've heard grace defined as the unmerited favor of God. And that's often the way, in fact, usually the way uh, it's understood throughout the scriptures. But there's another angle to it, where it's like the power and desire to do God's will. And this is one of the verses where we see that, that we can find grace in our time of need. We can find strength to face our challenges. God's unmerited favor comes to us and provides us with the resources we need and the strength of character and the peace that passes all understanding, that in the midst of suffering and in the midst of all kinds of chaos, we can stand firm. This is the real world offer of strength to face each day from a God who knows what we're going through because he's been there. It is to this God that we turn in times of crisis and suffering, in times of uncertainty and fear, and it is this God who meets us in the middle of that suffering. When Jesus says, I am thirsty, it calls to mind the reality that Jesus suffered. And when we recognize that Jesus suffered, we are invited to approach God's throne of grace. And from there, we will find the mercy and the grace that we need. From God comes the comfort that we need in our time of suffering and the strength to persevere through whatever suffering. And that's not something we can conjure or manufacture on our own. It's not something we're supposed to muster up so that we have the strength, right? Hebrews says it is what we receive from the Lord. We can stand firm in the face of suffering, not because we are strong, but because he is. And we need it. Because this whole coronavirus thing got real this week. This week, the virus gained a foothold here in Gloucester. The suffering has reached our city at last. You, we've been reading about it online. We've been watching CNN. We've been 
you know, surfing all over the web, and we've been preparing for it. Apparently, we've been buying toilet paper and hand sanitizer. But for many of us, this pandemic was something that was out there. We saw it coming, we were getting ready for it, but it was still something we were only reading about in the news. As of this week, it's right here. The economic impact is beginning to be felt. People are starting to lose their jobs. Businesses are starting to shut down and people have begun to get sick. People we know have begun to get sick. People connected to our church family. Where do you turn when you feel powerless and helpless in the face of this kind of crisis? What do you thirst for in a time like this? Do you thirst for a sense of control? Are you wrestling with the uncertainty of how this will all play out? Are you worried for your family and friends? Are you already experiencing the dread as people you love get sick? Where do you go when you feel powerless and helpless? You go to the one who knows what it's like to feel powerless and helpless and who offers the comfort and the strength to stand firm. Jesus knows what it's like to thirst. He knows what it is to suffer and he knows what it is that we need in these times. So watching CNN 24 hours a day is not going to help. It may keep you informed, but that's not a solution. Reading the stories of suffering from around the globe, that may increase our compassion, it may help us pray, but it's not gonna solve the problem. Being vigilant about social dis distancing matters. It is so important that we are not gathering in person today. It, I am proud of you for not coming together to worship. This is an expression of love for our community that we're not part of the problem and part of spreading the virus. But even so, even with social distancing, it continues to spread. But Jesus' word from the cross today is a word that speaks to us in the midst of the crisis in which we find ourselves. Jesus says, I am thirsty. And we recognize that he was fully God, but these words remind us he was fully human. And as a human, he entered into suffering and he knows suffering. He's one familiar with suffering. He knows what we're going through. And our thirst can only be satisfied by running into his arms, our great high priest who can empathize with our suffering. Because Jesus suffered, we can approach God. And there we can find the mercy and the grace that we need to stand firm in the midst of crisis and suffering. That's where we go to find the comfort we need from God as he empathizes with us in our suffering and the strength to stand firm and to face every challenge that comes. May we turn to him as our highest hope during this season that challenges us. I would normally pray here, but instead, because this is a whole decentralized worship thing, I would invite you to go back to the web page where uh, this video has been embedded and scroll down because just below this, you should find a going deeper section where there's some discussion questions. If you are together today with your family, we'd invite you to look at some of the questions. You don't have to answer them all, but pick one, pick two that you might choose to discuss together as a family. If you're on your own, we continue to encourage you to have a journal 
and to be using that as a tool for reflection during this time, even a tool for dialogue with God as you can write out prayers. Maybe you can even use these questions as, as a way of, of dialoguing with your Zoom group, formerly known as your small group, uh, a chance to go further, go deeper, and to talk personally about how these truths from God's word apply to our lives. So I would invite you to close this time of studying God's word by reflecting on those questions and then by praying. Pray for our city, pray for our country, pray for this world. Ask for God's mercy upon us and ask for his grace to give us strength to face these trials. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.